Folks, the man that has the Lions trading the entire farm to move up three spots is joining us today on a Monday Locked On Lions. Let's do it. You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we are, everybody. Matt Derry with you, Locked On Lions, Locked On Podcast Network. On a Monday, April 3rd, and a Tuesday, April 4th. Hope everybody had a great weekend. It's raining again here in Detroit, which is like every single day. But uh, thanks for making us your first listen, checking us out wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, free. Please subscribe to our Locked On Lions YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter at Derry Speaks and at Locked On Lions. And, of course, the Matt Derry Facebook fan page. A lot to discuss today on a Monday our guests were getting right to him. I said last week, this was the most obscure mock draft of all time. Uh, not Actually, not as bad as Mike Tannenbaum's, but uh, it was right up there. And the man, the legend, who's uh, who, who, who put this mock together at PFF.com, we love pro, pro Football Focus, we love Brad Spielberger, joins me today here on the show to uh, throw a few darts at Brad. What's up, buddy? And doing well. And, and look, Mike Tannenbaum's a fellow uh, Tulane law guy. I, I was trying to be a little bit, uh, you know, different than some of the consensus, but I didn't put Head and Hooker at fifth overall. So I don't, <laughs> I, I, would, I don't think I'm in the same conversation as that mock. <laughs> well, so I was talking about your mock draft last week, and I said we would get you on. And then people's responses, especially on Twitter, and as you know, Twitter's a bit of a cesspool. Uh, they were not pleased. They're like, there's no way the Lions could do this. And, and again, just to kind of refresh the audience's memory from last week, Brad and his mock draft had the Lions moving up from 6-3 to three and trading with Arizona, sending picks number 6, 48, 81, a first-rounder next year, and a fourth next year, all to get uh, AR-15. So, uh, Brad, you got to be creative sometimes with these things, but what was your thinking behind it? Yep. So, you know, first and foremost, I would say half kidding, but half serious. Look, I'm going to do another mock. I do mocks every year. Uh, I, I wrote a book on draft pick trades. I study draft pick trades as much as anyone in the world. So um, just know that, look, I, I do think there's an issue in this space of sometimes people just throw stuff at the wall for those trades. I promise you, when I'm putting a trade in there, I'm looking at historical trades that have already happened and kind of mapping that value. So you and I chatted a bit on Twitter. You mentioned um, that was kind of looking at the Sam Darnold trade from for the Jets and the value on the Jimmy Johnson chart, which is the chart that teams still use. Those were basically nearly identical in the value that the team at six, the Jets at that time, had to use to get up to three. They sent three second-round picks, uh, two of which they knew at the time were early second-round picks, and then a future pick as well. So you know, similar values based on those things. Maybe you don't like to see a second, third, and a future first, but, you know, again, it was more just looking at the valuations of those picks. So the funny thing is, I'll tell you, fans of the other NFC North teams hated that because they liked it for the Lions, and and they feel as though, really? the yes, is that if the Lions <laughs> add a dynamic quarterback where, look, the, the Lions should not expect to pick early Anytime soon. They are a good roster. They got better. I think they had one of the best free agency classes of anyone in the NFL. They better hope they're not picking sixth overall. It's obviously not their pick. It's the Los Angeles Rams pick. So that was also part of it. And then the last piece, just like Sam Darnold as well, I genuinely, genuinely believe Indianapolis at four, Seattle at five, Las Vegas at seven, Tennessee at 11 are all in the market for the number three overall pick. So that also 
folds into it a little bit as well. Yeah, I, I saw a report today where the Titans want to move up to three also. Not to say that the Lions are. This is your mock draft, your opinion, and and you were bold with it. But yeah, Tennessee just drafted uh, Malik Willis last year. What's up with that? Yeah, so you know, took Willis in the third round. I think he fell there, and, and eventually they said, hey, let's take a shot on the guy. I think it was a big signal that in a do-or-die situation with two games late in the season, they were so uncomfortable with his progression. They went out and signed Josh Dobbs off the Cleveland Browns practice squad. I don't even think he was on the roster. He may have been may have been their QB3, not trying to be disparaging of, of our guy Josh Dobbs. But brought him in and said, hey, we have a better shot at making the playoffs with the guy who was, our, was not on our roster as of a month ago than we do with our rookie third-round pick. I'm not saying they've given up on him entirely, but his presence – you know, does not prevent them doing something. Just like, look, Matt Corral was taken in the third round by the Carolina Panthers last year, and now they're picking first overall. Brad Spielberger, of course, salary cap guru from Pro Football Focus and uh, an analyst for them, uh, giving us a few minutes here today on Locked On Lions. All right, you just mentioned Malik Willis. We've heard the comparisons already for Malik Willis and Anthony Richardson based on just the throwing ability uh, of each of those guys and really last year Malik was the hotness at this time there were Lion fans and you know this Brad we've talked that were like oh oh the Lions need to take Malik Willis at number two overall which was ridiculous talk because he ended up going to the third round but are those comparisons fair between uh, Malik the Freak and uh, AR-15? Well I do get some components of the comparison they both have absolute rocket arms they are good athletes they can run the football uh, make some plays off platform things like that but for me why Richardson is is a much, much better prospect and should not be talked about as a total project like Willis. And I think this also ties into the point we just made about Tennessee. Anthony Richardson this past season, we look at pressure to sack rate. And as I probably said this before, or maybe even on this show, but a quarterback, okay, the offensive line controls how much pressure is given up. A quarterback has a lot of say in how many of those pressures turn into sacks. And Malik Willis is historically bad at taking sacks. Like, if he gets pressured, he's going to take a sack. His, his average time to throw was the longest in the NFL last year. He took a lot of bad sacks when he did play. Anthony Richardson this past season had the sixth lowest pressure to sack rate in the entire nation of college football. He's very, very good at either getting the ball out or, you know, scrambling and getting out of the pocket. So, for me, ignore the accuracy, ignore the completion percentage, all those things that, sure, you can compare it. Richardson knowing when a play is dead – and not, you know, like taking these negative plays is a huge leg up on Malik Willis. <laughs> Ignore the accuracy. He was like 7 for 21 in his last game, and you want to send all these picks for him, Brad? I don't I don't know, man. Don't you think it's a bit of a risk? It's definitely a risk. Uh, look, yeah, you definitely don't ignore that. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, accuracy is probably the easiest thing we can map from. If you're accurate in college, you're probably to a, to a degree going to be accurate in the pros. Obviously, everyone, if we're in the comp game, is going to try to say, I see the next Josh Allen, one of those type of talents that somehow figured out at the next level. One thing on that I will say, you see the completion percentage. He did have one of the large – low. Uh, the, the biggest average depth of target. So threw the ball down the field a ton. You got to coach some, hey, check the ball down, hit your guys in the intermediate areas. You don't need a touchdown on every single throw, So which also was a Josh Allen problem. So that is part of it. But, you know, I, and I do think the, the underneath stuff, like he's, he can be more accurate with the yards after catch throws, the quick outs, things like that. There are issues. The thing is, though, I think in today's NFL – Look, everyone gets these picks wrong pretty much every year anyways. So it's almost like, let's try to shoot the moon 
His ceiling <laughs> is astronomically high, although I get his floor is also, you know, the basement. Brad Spielberg or PFF uh, with us. Do you also utilize the thinking that the Lions can afford to make a move like this, move up and get him, stash him for a little while because they like Jared Goff because of how well they've done in free agency and how well they've built this roster now the last two years where they can maybe afford to play around a little bit but still have the number 18 pick. Were you thinking that? Said that the fact that it's not even their pick to begin with, and you get a nice trade haul for TJ Hawkinson. So you have all this extra draft capital. I'm not saying you should just blow that and and feel like it's house money you can spend willy-nilly. But again, I, I think they do like Jared Goff, still has two years left on his contract, no guarantees outside of a small amount this season. My thinking is more just again, if unless you're going to extend him next offseason and you're getting prepared to do that right now, basically, unless golf's terrible next year, we're going to give him the Daniel Jones contract next offseason. And if you know, we can get into that. If that's not your thinking, you better take a guy now because, again, in your mind, oh, we want to be picking, you know, well, 32nd, obviously, but we're hopefully picking 24th or worse next year, you know, in the first round. And then you're not getting a premier prospect. Is, you know, you mentioned a lot of things that you like about Richardson. Do you see a scenario where Carolina would actually take him number one? I actually think it's possible. I really don't think they're going to. I think it's a two-horse race between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. But I thought it was interesting. Luke Keekley, the Panthers legend, Thomas Davis, the Panthers legend, both made comments about Anthony Richardson. Davis compared him to Cam Newton. Keekley just kind of said he was a special talent. Um, and it's not nothing. I mean, these guys are still involved with the organization to a degree, are still in media, so they're still kind of around the facility. And they're not some guy that played there for a year. They're like two franchise cornerstone-type players I'm not buying it entirely, but I do, like I said, I do think there is a mentality now of why go for like a safer prospect when, you know, we get these picks wrong so often, just try to get a guy that has the highest possible ceiling. I think there is a mentality like that uh, in some some buildings. More with Brad Spielberger uh, coming up next from uh, Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Today's episode of Lockdown Lions is brought to you by our friends at Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about Ultimate Football GM, this ultimate mobile football game app for the last few months. It is a lot of fun. It's your turn now to join us and be a part of this great thing. We did it last year with the folks from the Locked On NFL Network. If you dream of becoming an NFL GM, managing your own football franchise, you can do it at ultimate-gm.com. Look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Basically, you're running your own team. You can hire and fire coaches and coordinators, trade players, navigate your franchise through free agency and now of course we got the draft coming up in a couple of weeks you want to run your own team it's a lot of fun ultimate football gm it's completely free playable offline play on the go as well and as you want when you want to locked on lions listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when they use a promo code locked on that's in all caps l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n in the game store that's locked on so make sure you check it out today ultimate-gm.com or download it in the App Store's Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. Brad Spielberger with us from uh, Ultimate, Fo- Ultimate Football GM. Sorry, Brad, it's been a long day. Uh, PFF, by the way, you're our, our cap guy here. How do you think the Lions have navigated through the cap? It's it's crazy because you looked up and said, all right, they were $13 million under going into free agency. They get rid of Brockers. They, they free up all this money. They got Charles Harris and Okwara to take all these these giant pay cuts. Uh, what do you think of the job Mike Disner and the cap crew have done? 
a great job. And I think it does say a lot when you have players, you know, players are willing to do that when they, they're bought of the organization. They like their teammates. They like their coaches. They trust in, you know, hey, if I'm going to chop years off and reduce the money on my deal, maybe I can earn it back by incentives or earn it back by just having a good season with a good team that'll have a lot of national spotlight. And, you know, one of we said about Detroit the last couple of years, not often, but I think that is the case. You saw it in Buffalo the last couple of years once they got going and we're, you know, become a more respectable team and organization. I think it's the same in Detroit. I think they have had, like I said before, one of my favorite free agency periods, the entire NFL, really overhauling that secondary, giving them a lot of different options, a lot of versatility with how they can deploy all the guys in the back end. They, they've been great. What's been your favorite move so far from Brad Holmes? You know, I, th- I think I'll just go with, you know, getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on that one-year flyer. It obviously is, is, an, is, an, is an easy pick, getting him on a one-year, $6.5 million base value deal. I love it because, look, Cam Sutton has some slot experience, but you now get another guy that can play in the slot, can play safety. When you get Tracy Walker back healthy, you have three good safeties that all can do a lot of different things. You can move all those pieces around. If you're in nickel, if you're in base, if you're in dime, like, I just love the versatility. You know, Aaron Glenn, obviously, the defensive coordinator, was a special uh, secondary coach before that. So that is his bread and butter. I just love what they can do on the back end going forward. Brad Spielberger with us, Pro Football Focus, at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. Um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the mock, uh, at 18, you got the Lions taking Kalijah Kansi, who I think would be a great fit here. Uh, what do you like about him? Yeah, I was hoping that one would go over a little bit better than the first one. <laughs> oh, it <did>. so, <laughs> Yeah, so I still do think if I were to pick the biggest hole on the Lions roster, I would say interior defensive line. Um, I, I was a big Levi Wuzurike fan. Obviously, we don't really know what he's going to look like at this point once he gets healthy. I did love him, love him coming out of Washington. Ali McNeil has been a good player. I like that they brought back some of the other guys they've kicked inside the last couple of years in Kaminsky um, and Isaiah Bugs. You know, solid rotational pieces there. Uh, I mean, look, Kansi, it's fascinating. He is one of the best interior pass rushers we've seen come out of college in a very, very long time. His numbers are off the charts. His pass rush win rate, the best in college football last year among Power 5 players by a healthy margin. But you also get the, you know, the measurables of how short his arms are. Can he do it at the NFL level with the athletes that we're seeing, uh, you know, with, with, with guards and centers making more money and, and being more talented athletes and all those things as well? It's going to be tough. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top 10. I wouldn't be surprised if he falls out of the first round. Like, that's his range is crazy because of those intangibles and measurables and all that. But, but he's a phenomenal football player. I know that much. It's interesting. The Lions passed on Aaron Donald many years ago, as you know, and took Eric Ebron. And now it's like, all right, here's another interior, undersized D lineman from Pitt. It's, it's almost like deja vu here. I, I think if he's there at 18, I'm with you. I don't think they would pass him. I really don't think so either. Because, again, it, no, no pick is a throwaway. But it's like if you're sitting there and say, okay, this player lines up at our best position of need. We have a ton of big body guys at edge and on the, on the interior already. So, yes, maybe he's a specialist in the early part of his career. Maybe he only does play on obvious passing downs. And you get 400, 500 snaps out of him as a rookie, maybe even as a sophomore. And you say, hey, is that worth it for a first-round pick? I mean, the Eagles traded up for Jordan Davis, and he, you know, different thing. He's a nose tackle, not a pass rusher. He's going to play 400, 500 snaps a season, probably his entire career. But if you can dynamically change what you're doing on certain downs and change the entire infrastructure of your defense and what offenses can do against you, 
it matters. It, it's valuable. So, yeah, if he's there, I would take him if I was them. I, I get the question marks and the concerns, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, you, you passed on guys like that before. Um, I almost get some Grady Jarrett fill from him to another undersized interior guy um, that, that's been a very good pro. Where are you on the tight end situation? Certainly that could be another option for Brad Holmes and the Lions. Uh, who do you like? Are you a Mayor fan, and would you take him at 18? So this is funny too, because I, I know you know Lions fans are scarred with the with the first round tight end, the, the back, what top ten guys in Ebron and, and Hawkinson. Yes, um, I totally would, a hundred percent would. I, I, I honestly, I get why there's Kincaid love. He's a better mover in space. He's a more fluid athlete. I'm a Meyer guy. I, I think he's a more complete all around tight end. And I know from things I've read about TJ Hawkinson, when I said oh, it was a great trade for Minnesota, Lions fans said, well, he can't block, so you know it's not a good trade. Meyer can block. He, he can do everything at tight end. He is a complete player, a three-down player that still can get open, can separate. I know he didn't test off the charts. I really don't care if you're the leading wide receiver on a Notre Dame football team your entire time you're there at a position that's tough to do that as a younger player. He's probably two and a half years younger than Dalton Kincaid as well. So anyway, long answer short, I would love that pick at 18. Uh, I know Lions fans are a little bit scared off of that because of history, but he's a great football player. Do you see, and let's, you know, we're, we're, we're taking your mock out of it now, but do you see an opportunity where Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell go kind of against the grain and take Jalen Carter? It's not been, football character has been a big uh, culture, you know, uh, culture verbiage in this town for three years now. Do you see the Lions maybe taking Carter? Or do you think he slides uh, very far? The the quote from Dan Campbell was fascinating, right? Where he said, like, I heard some interesting stories about him. And then so the, the follow-up was, oh, were they good or bad? Just interesting. I, mean, I don't know yeah. what, we're, what we're supposed to take away from that. But if I think if a team brings a player in and maybe has some Georgia guys in their roster or just people that know him and they feel comfortable with who he is as a person, I think he's the best prospect in the class. I think he is the most talented football player in the entire class. If there wasn't, weren't any off-field issues in any mock I do, he'd be the first defensive player taken in every single one. So maybe if they feel they can do it and they trust their, their you know evaluation, all those things, then yeah, and it would be a steal at sixth overall. You got a guy that uh, you think is going to fall, not not because of anything off the field, but just maybe is overrated in this draft? I shouldn't even say overrated. I love the player, but, you know, and it ties into the Lions, like, Devin Witherspoon at sixth overall would be surprising. You're just looking at measurables, 181 pounds, not not short or, or short armed, but not long or long armed by any means. Um, really good player, can play press man with the best of them. Awesome in run support, wants to take your head off on every snap. Like I get why everyone's falling in love with him. I just I would be shocked if he goes before Christian Gonzalez, and I see that in a lot of mocks. And I just I just personally I would be surprised if that happens. We'll finalize some things with Brad here and get his thoughts on the division. We'll do that next. Final couple of questions for Brad Spielberg. We appreciate his time from a PFF. Brad, everybody, including Vegas, has the Lions winning this thing in terms of the division for the first time since 1993. Um, we haven't even gotten to the draft yet, but what do you think of of some of these uh, these Vegas odds about the Lions being the favorites in the division? Yeah, but I think you could argue that the Minnesota Vikings maybe had a wash, maybe got a little bit better th this past offseason. Uh, the Bears obviously got better, but of course, coming from the first overall pick to, you know, still have issues in both trenches. 
Um, you know, it got better, but but how how different is it going to make? Um, and the Packers are obviously going to get worse, losing Aaron Rodgers, losing Christian Watson. Um, you know, they need to figure out safety, a couple other spots. So I think they should be the favorite for sure. Um, they, they deserve it. I think they are going to win the division. And then that's the, also before, you know, they have two top 20 picks to add to that talent as well. So I get it. I agree with it because yeah, the division is just not a very particularly strong one right now. Um, so it, 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 30 years, but uh, I believe it. Is there something that, you know, like, like just the, these free agency moves, but like guys staying and guys staying for less, like you said, um, and then, you know, David Montgomery going within the division, what does it say about what they built here there? And it just seems like guys want to stay to play for Dan Campbell and you got free agents that want to play with Dan uh, for Dan Campbell. What does that say about the job he's done? I think Ben Johnson staying with Dan Campbell and that, and that coaching staff says maybe more than anything, you know, all those players combined. It's a huge signal. It really is. It shows that I really do believe the new ownership group came in and wanted to turn things around, um, you know, giving Mike Dizzer an elevated role. He's a very respected person around the entire NFL, bringing other people, you know, building out analytics departments and just building out your front office and then building a coaching staff that is predicated on former players, and, and all these things, it's it's not it's not it's not random, right? There, there's a there's a path here, there's a plan here, and I think we're seeing it come to fruition. Always heard good things about Brad Holmes at LA as well, coming over from the Rams. Um, yeah, I, I think players taking those discounts to stay in a place like Detroit, not trying to be you know disparaging of of the team at all, but like it's 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 not something we're used to seeing, right? You know, we, we see the good teams get to pull that off. I think it's a great signal of the players believe it not only in the building, but around the league. You're, hey, I have a buddy on this team as a free agent. Yo, you should come here to Detroit. It's amazing. The culture is phenomenal. The, the coaches are great. Like, we're, we're going to do great next year. I, th- I think you're seeing that in action. Can you believe this, Brad? This is nuts, man. I mean, the people here the people here are so excited, and it's, it's legit. I mean, obviously, the other teams here, the Red Wings, Tigers, and Pistons are all struggling, so it's like the Lions are saving this town. It's, it's wild. Don't, don't say that every, uh, every year, do we? <laughs> no, no, we don't. But uh, appreciate the time, brother, and a uh, little ribbing on the uh, on the mock. But uh, always love talking to you. Do a great job, and we'll talk again soon. No, thanks for having me, and I and I, uh, I expect the ribbing on the mock. It's it's part of the part of the process. No, no question about it. There he is, Brad Spielberg, with us from Pro Football Focus. Handles the salary cap stuff, uh, salary cap stuff, uh, salary cap stuff, and also lead analyst as well. And uh, we love talking to Brad right here on this Monday. Locked on Lions. We are back again tomorrow.